0: This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast.
1: All right. Well, let's let's move on. And we are going to bring out two folks now, Daniel Cherry. He is the chief marketing officer of Activision Blizzard and Dan Roberts, the senior reporter for Yahoo Finance. Give it up for him.
0: All righty, let's talk about esports. Esports was a huge topic here yesterday, just the kind of thing that's in the sweet spot of this conference. Uh, Daniel, let's start this way. All right. You and I realized that I interviewed you on a panel <laughs> at a conference two years ago. At yes. that time, you were with the NJ Devils. Yes. So at some point, you get a call. Do you want to transition from the NHL, mm-hmm. established league that everyone knows, to working in esports? What was that move like?
1: It was no-brainer. You missed the key point move from New Jersey to Redondo Beach, California? (laughs) Um, No, you're absolutely right. Um, I love sports and entertainment. Um, Obviously, I spent a lot of time in traditional sports and running kind of the Devils and working against the Sixers as well, which were owned by the same ownership group. Um, When I eventually got the call to join what we were building, um, I thought it was phenomenal, partially because of the model. For those who don't know much about eSports, it's important to understand the model that we've built for uh, Activision Blizzard eSports leagues, in particular with the Overwatch League, which is the first global city based franchise model in esports. So, like traditional sports, we took the best of what they've done, which is local fan bases, um, but expanded that globally. So, we have 20 teams in 20 global cities, and we run um, an esport league based on the Overwatch game. And to me, that was phenomenal, because I love the city based fandom, um, but doing it truly global is, is phenomenal to see fans in Korea engage fans in London, engage fans in Philly. It's, it's the best.
0: Yeah, you guys just announced recently uh, shifting to have home and away games, which really kind of makes the league like a regular league, the way we think of NBA, NFL, NHL. Now, of course, every time that we at Yahoo Finance cover eSports, I always feel like I have to back up and give the one-on-one every time. Sort of like before we can talk about what the news is this week, you have to say, here's what eSports is again. Uh, So do you feel a little bit like you're sort of fighting that battle still before you can move on to say, okay, here's the newest, greatest thing we're doing?
1: Um, I did, um, but I think now with the city-based model makes it much easier. So when you say New York plays London or Philly plays L.A., I think it makes a lot more sense for fans. Our season schedule is basically like sports. We have a preseason, a regular season, a postseason, a wild card play-in game, um, a grand finals, which is basically a championship. We have rookies of the year, regular season MVPs, finals MVPs. So the model works for a lot of the partners who traditionally have partnered with traditional sports leagues the rights model, I think, makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, so it's a little easier, I think, with a city-based model um, than, to your point, what was historically the Wild West of eSports, which is, that's kind of like saying, you know, sports. Mm. There's so many different types of right, you know, platforms, and whether you play PC, whether you play console. Um, and for us, within Activision Blizzard eSports leagues, we have kind of our crown jewels, which um, are the Overwatch League, which I just talked about, um, and the Call of Duty uh, World League, Um, which will eventually take the best learnings of Overwatch um, League and eventually move to a a city-based model as well.
0: There's still a certain amount of skepticism that you're sometimes met with, right? When we talk about eSports, there are people who they hear the numbers and it's hard for them to understand. And then what I find usually is you can show, well, wait a minute, these events are selling out MSG. And then they say, oh, my God. Um, So, I guess I'd ask, you know, as you are seeking partnerships and when you're talking to sponsors, what are sort of the one or two or three killer things that, when you bring that out, you say, well, look at this, and then they get it. Then they say, oh, wait a minute. We need to be involved with this.
1: Wonderful. Uh, You're right. There's a few kind of, to your point, killer stats that make sense, and one of the reasons why I joined is because I saw these stats. The first is that there's not really any sports league outside of maybe the NBA that has really engaged uh, APAC at scale. Premier League is probably another, so the Asia-Pacific audience. So there's a massive audience there. Um, and those fans play video games, mostly PC-based video games, um, you know, and probably basketball are the two most you know, kind of engaged activities uh, among youth. Um, and for our brand partners to be able to kind of take a turnkey platform like eSports or, for us, Overwatch League, and engage that level of an audience, I think it's pretty phenomenal. And our rights model, like I said, you can work across our entire ecosystem. So unlike traditional sports, you can work with us at the professional level, We also have essentially a minor leagues called contenders. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a kind of grassroots initiative, um, which we call the open division. Um, And we also have a college platform called Tespa. So when you partner with us, you partner with the whole ecosystem. And then you see the audience stats. So to your point, when you think about traditional sports, um, our audience among 18 to 34 um, is about 90 plus percent of our audience. Now the most important part there is that our 18 to 34 year old audience is up um, about 40%, 50% 40%, 50% year over year, and the only two sports leagues that are up among 18 to 34 are us, and you have Don Garber backstage, MLS. MLS is up about 4%, according to Nielsen, and 18 to 34-year-old fans, and we're up 50%. And you think about the median age of sports fans across all the leagues, our median age is 26. MLS, I think, based on Nielsen's latest stats from last year, is about 41 years old, which is a young sport, comparatively, and the rest of the sports, including the NBA, you're talking about 50, 60 years old as a median age of your fame. So when you think about investing in the future, pretty much a no-brainer, and then the global scale makes it that much easier, I think, to, to buy in.
0: Yeah, that was not only a good plug for our next on-stage interview, which is with the commissioner of Major League Soccer, but also, you know, I want to ask you, when you look at the big major leagues right now, we talk about NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, there is so much kind of um, hand-wringing over ratings Mm -hmm. and over the shifting landscape of TV. Everything is about Live sports streaming. I mean, every week there's a new piece of news in the streaming wars for me to cover, and people cutting the cord. Uh, You know, just yesterday, for example, or earlier this week, the UFC basically went exclusive with ESPN Plus, and a lot of people said, "Wow, you know, is that risky for the UFC or is it riskier for ESPN?" When you look at all that's happening, I mean, is that change kind of benefiting esports? Because you look at something that really was born in a live streaming world.
1: You're right. I mean, I tell traditional sports, "Welcome to the party." You talk about cutting the cord. I mean, our fans don't know what the cord is. Like <laughs> um, they, they don't have conversation. These are the fans who didn't necessarily grow up, you know, playing baseball in the backyard with their dad. I mean, their backyard was a video game map. That was their playground. That was their backyard. So they are inherently not just digital natives, but they're globally connected digital natives. And their platform of choice happens to be for esports competitively, Twitch. Um, and Twitch is a streaming platform. Um, for those who don't know, essentially think about it as the. ESPN of video games um, and it operates much like a YouTube or any other streaming site, Um, but you can watch live matches on Twitch. So for Overwatch League and Call of Duty World League, we stream all of our matches on Twitch. Twitch is our primary partner, so unlike a kind of traditional league who kind of throws some stuff on Twitch, Twitch is our media rights partner for the Overwatch League, uh, globally excluding China. We also have a linear TV deal in North America with um, TSN, which is uh, ESPN's Canadian affiliate, ESPN, and Disney XD, and ABC. So, as fans of Overwatch League, you can watch us about four to six hours a week on Disney XD, ABC, or ESPN, um, and you can watch us essentially globally on Twitch for free. And on Twitch, unlike traditional sports, um, if you know anything about video games, within the game, essentially, assume there's unlimited cameras. So, unlike the sky cam you see in football, or you know, they kind of play with the ref cam as well, we have unlimited cameras. So we essentially have unlimited replays and unlimited angles. So for us, we have a partner in Twitch that created something called the All Access Pass. All Access Pass for traditional sports fans is kind of like a red zone or a league pass. But unlike those where you only watch certain games out of your region, um, you can watch not just all games, but all games with all angles. Meaning we have um, in Overwatch League a 6v6 model. Six players versus six players. And within All Access Pass, you can have 12 different angles from each of the you know, players in the game. That, to me, is transcendent. Mm. And I think that is where, again, we already are, and I think traditional sports is, is gonna follow suit pretty quickly.
0: You mentioned Twitch and kind of Twitch's importance. Twitch, for those who don't know, is owned by Amazon. And just yesterday, we have some news that we can uh, discuss, which is Google announcing mm-hmm. that it's gonna have this gaming platform and, and it's live streaming in the cloud, and that is called Google Stadia. Yeah. And it was interesting to see the coverage of that, because. A lot of people were just instantly bullish. They said, well, wait, if Google's getting into this, they're going to do very well with this. Um, How does news like that affect you guys? I mean, they're basically a platform. So I imagine soon enough we'll see sort of AB plus Google. That's not a competitor to you guys.
1: We don't look at anything in the ecosystem right now as competitors, especially when they have a media platform attached to it. Um, so it's not just a publisher. Publishers, in video game parlance, are those who make the games, and then there's those who publish, um, who broadcast the games or stream the games, like a Twitch or a Google. So to me, when you're thinking about a sports league, like any other sports league, you want as many options out there as possible to potentially distribute your content, because when you're doing media rights deals, like we are, we want other partners in the rights in the mix to potentially vie for for our content. We think what we're doing is, is pretty successful. And to your point, when it comes to you know, these digital natives and, and the core cutters, you can't guarantee where they're gonna go. Right. Just because you built Nickel. it does not mean they will come. Yeah. Twitch is you know, not anything that much more special than another type of platform. It's just that's what the community chose. And when the community chooses, it's better that you follow suit.
0: Mm. Go to where the eyeballs are. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I want to make sure that we are hitting a little bit the theme of this conference. You know, a lot of people here are from companies that want to know how can I do better with my partnerships and sponsorships and courting sponsors. Uh, There was news that you guys shared maybe about a year ago that we covered at Yahoo Finance that was interesting about a deal with Nielsen. Mm -hmm. And as I understood it, you know, an investment with Nielsen to better track exactly how much exposure the sponsors of these eSports leagues because these big consumer-facing brands are all on board. They're all like foaming at the mouth to sponsor eSports-related stuff but you need to be able to prove to them a year in, your sponsorship is paying off. So tell us about that deal with
1: Nielsen. Absolutely, we don't want to fly blind and I definitely care about data. I mean, I'm a former right, consumer planner, strategist, consumer researcher. I care about, to your point, the facts and the figures, not just how cool the, you know, the platform is or what the kids are watching uh, these days. But yeah, we have a strategic partnership with Nielsen and we monitor our streaming numbers the exact same way that you would essentially follow Nielsen numbers on linear broadcast networks. So we follow a metric called AMA, average minute audience, which is essentially the average audience watching based on the total right minutes broadcast. Um, and that number is platform agnostic. So we can actually aggregate our viewers across, like I said, our linear partners, The ABC, ESPN, Disney, XDs of the world, but we also have linear partners in other countries as well. So we're, again, not just streamed globally, we have linear broadcast partners who broadcast our matches globally, like the Premier League would do. Um, and then we have Twitch as a digital partner, and we have Billy Billy and Huya, um, and uh, Zanqi, which are three of the biggest streaming platforms in China. And two of those platforms, Billy Billy and Huya, also owns teams in our league, which is the equivalent of if ESPN owned an NBA team. So clearly the media partnerships we have are right. I think second to none for sports leagues, and the partnership with Nielsen gives us legitimate data um, that isn't, you know, the kind of willy-nilly data you probably have seen initially in esports, but standardized. And I think that we will eventually have third-party media reporting across all esports um, with a Nielsen or a partner like that, and hopefully being the biggest in the space, we're going to lead the charge there.
0: I'm glad you mentioned China because when we talk about esports and you read so much about the size of this industry and, and mm-hmm. the numbers really vary. That's another problem. You know, of course. You, you hear that it's a billion dollar industry and then you hear actually it's already a $5 billion industry by revenue and here are the projections and I'm always, you know, extra skeptical of projections, but uh, a lot of the viewership and a huge portion of the numbers as I understand it in esports are still coming out of China. Mm-hmm. Now. Is that a problem or is that fine? Is there a way to you know, beef it up in the US? It, it sort of seems like in China, it's gotten to a much bigger point already than it is in terms of saturation and awareness in America.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't use the term saturation. When you have an audience the size of China, it's really hard to get saturation, right? You it's can get a billionaire and basically be a local business in China. Um, so for me, it's less about where the viewers are coming from and do we want the right balance? Um, so for us in Overwatch League, we have about half of our viewers coming from China. Um, and we have you know, majority of our revenue, if you will, sponsored revenue coming from North America, but that's because we have a very premium audience that is growing back to those the age numbers. Um, so for us, it's important to, yes, boost what we have in North America, but we truly are a global league. So it's really important for us to make sure that we engage all markets where all the fans are, and candidly have the media partners and the brands catch up, because with our global partnerships, um, and IEG does, right, an engine shop and crew here do a great job with brand partners and a few of our are partners in our league. It's really important to find a way for them to activate against this audience globally. And not many brands are as global as they say they are when it comes to actually being able to activate on the ground. With the Overwatch League, we literally have, I have direct reports in China that run marketing for Overwatch League in China. So it's very different than traditional sports leagues. When you want to activate at scale globally, Activision Blizzard is actually a truly global company, and we know what the youth of the world are doing because they're doing it candidly with our games hours a day, um, and uh, we think that you know partners can can activate that scale. Now the viewership, again, they'll play catch up. ESPN for us, think about it. For most leagues, it's the crown jewel. It's a regional TV deal for us mm-hmm. because we truly are a global league. Right. right, Half it doesn't cover half of our audience. Now imagine if the right the you know, NBA or MLS or others looked at you know North America as kind of a small portion of their audience. Um, it actually is a much larger portion of their audience. Maybe they if should think about it. Um, I agree. Maybe they should. But we actually have legitimate teams, not just exhibition games happening in China. We have literal teams and fans in right pubs and in you know kind of dorm rooms and in their homes watching our matches every week, uh, Thursday through Sunday.
0: When we talk about sponsorships, you know, for everyone in the room, obviously storylines are always really, really important. Now, uh, when we hear the numbers with esports, I mean, my first thought always and. You know, I'm probably still not as informed on it as I should be, but is it hard when there aren't as many known stars? You know, I, I think everyone in the room, even if they barely know anything about eSports, they've heard of Ninja. Mm-hmm. They know Ninja is a video game star. Beyond Ninja, you know, there aren't many Tom Brady's or Peyton Manning's or mm-hmm. Lindsey Vons. Um, so you know, is that something that you battle or do you end up kind of focusing on marketing teams instead? Where do you find storylines?
1: Well, to me, um, you know, the NBA has done a great job of marketing stars. I think they're one of the best leagues at marketing stars. The reality is, even the NBA, as a league, doesn't really actually market the stars. That to me is where I look at partners in um, our larger ecosystem to build the stars. I mean, the NBA did not build Michael Jordan. Nike built Michael Jordan. Gatorade built Michael Jordan. Um, so all the brand partners within leagues, I think, are the real, I think, you know, accelerants to building star power. Um, so for us, we look to our partners to really help us build those stars. And yes, we do have, you know, candidly. You know a few players who are Korean in a North American market, um, but they are stars outside this country. Because eSports, for those who follow hip-hop, I'll give you a little analogy. What um, the Bronx is to hip-hop, Korea is to eSports. So it is the home of eSports. <laughs> okay. So the best players on PC-based video games, um, which majority of the content you see online is PC-based, um, those players usually come from Korea, um, just like a lot of the top you know, kind of pop stars now. K-pop is huge. Huge. So it's a mainstream platform, and it's a mainstream audience, just not necessarily for North America. Um, and we'll, we'll catch up, and all these you know, players, um, over time, will be adjusted to this market, because it's a new market for them. Um, and we have a lot of you know, up-and-coming stars through our contenders ranks, a lot of great you know, American players as well, European players. Um, so we look at it as a global ecosystem. It, to me, America is a major audience, but not the only audience.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned K-pop. There's a, a Korean pop band BTS, and anytime yes. we mention them in a tweet or on air, like it, it goes nuts. It's just
1: crazy. Yeah, and, our, and, our, and the players in our league are friends with BTS. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, they kind of they're stars in Korea together. So you think about that level of scale. I think we're kind of a bit you know behind the times. But you saw BTS on the Grammys. You know, they won a the Billboard award. So it is it is massively, massively, I think, successful. Again, in the rest of the world. And America will play catch up, which I love when one of the biggest, best economies in the world is an emerging market. Mm -hmm. So for eSports, America is the biggest emerging market for us, and I love that. And we're not even close to saturation point here.
0: Uh, coming from Yahoo Finance, my interest is always in the company, too. So we're talking a lot about eSports. We're talking about the industry. But where does your division sit within Activision Blizzard? Uh, let's just kind of zoom out there. I mean, AB, you know, that merger was only so long ago, and now you yep. have your CMO of AB's eSports leagues. Yes. So how big is your um, team? How many people are there? How big do you think – I guess I'm really asking how important a priority eSports is to Activision Blizzard.
1: Um, it's a critical priority. I mean, you've probably seen, um, you know, our – you know, leader Bobby Bobby Coder talked a lot about this and kind of invest personally, um, obviously professionally in building the best-in-class team. So we have a world-class team. For those who are looking to come into eSports, the team that we have that's running Activision Blizzard eSports leagues is, I'm not saying the truth because I'm there, second to none. You know, our heads of finance come from the best leagues in the world, including, you know, companies like Disney, um, NFL, NBA, um, NHL. We have folks coming from Um, you know, entertainment companies as well, like Fox. Uh, So Bobby's put the best-in-class partners together behind us. Our team um, is a division, to your point, of Activision Blizzard. So there's Activision Blizzard eSports leagues, which spans um, both Activision and Blizzard. So as an example, Activision is the publisher for Call of Duty, the franchise, the game you play recreationally that you buy, Um, and Blizzard is the publisher and developer of Overwatch. Mm Activision, Blizzard, eSports League sits across both. So I have a team that manages the eSport of Call of Duty as well as the eSport of Overwatch. And we have a bunch of shared services like any other league would have. We have our team management business operations, Team Bowl like the NBA has. We have Folk who Run League Ops and administration. We have commissioners of both leagues. We have right analysts, um, finance, all the right you know, kind of partners. We have player personnel. So everything you would imagine from a top-end you know, professional sports league Many of those folks came from those professional sports leagues into eSports. A lot of the folks that are analytics-focused play video games. So they're taking all their passion that they've done, kind of doing sabermetrics in traditional sports leagues, and brought that passion to eSports. And I think we have second to none talent, um, for sure.
0: Uh, We've talked about Overwatch, obviously. We've talked about Call of Duty. One thing we haven't mentioned, and I would be remiss not to bring it up, is Fortnite. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the, the Fortnite phenomenon across the pro leagues, you know, the idea that NBA players are obsessed with playing it, not just Mm -hmm. NBA players, but they especially have gotten attention for it. Um, Is is Fortnite kind of just a a one-off example of lightning in a bottle, hard to duplicate? Uh, When you look at sort of the way that phenomenon has exploded, how do you try and create another Fortnite?
1: I don't think you try to create another one. Um, I don't think they, if you think about the development history of Fortnite, it was in iterations as well. This was not what they set out to build initially. Um, and very rarely is that the case. Um, and when it comes to Fortnite or think about Pokemon Go, that was not a major kind of flash in the pan as well. I don't actually want these to be flashes in the pan. I want them to be sustainable. Candidly, selfishly, I want the ecosystem to be healthy. Um, but I look at that very differently than I look at right, what we do um, within um, eSports. Right? To your point, Ninja is a personality and a right, um, I think, you know, great video game you know, ambassador. But he's, the, he's slightly different than what I consider our players to be within Overwatch League. Okay. So when you think about what we do with our players, I look at our players as the Steph Currys or LeBron James, right, the Tom Brady's of their eSport. Um, and I think that what Ninja is doing is building right, a great personality, a great following. And he's doing a lot, a lot more entertainment than competition. Um, so I want the best of the best playing against the best. And that's what we do within eSports. Um, and I think there's a world for entertainment as well. I think Fortnite sits in the pure entertainment um, space, and we want to get more entertainment as well, so I think we can learn from each other.
0: I'm glad you said that some of those players are like the Steph Currys of of eSports, because the fun question that I annoy every eSports person with is, (laughs) are these guys athletes?
1: Ask the athletes. It's very simple. Ask Steph Curry if these guys are athletes. Naomi Osaka, who's the number one tennis player in the world, she um, obviously won the Australian Open. She came to the Overwatch League Grand Finals last year. She travels on the road. If you follow her Instagram, she plays Overwatch. She knows how good these players are, so she and her sister came to the Grand Finals. D'Angelo Russell plays for the Brooklyn Nets. We sold out Barclays Center for two days in a row, and he said this was louder than any game he's been at. He came to the Grand Finals, so the athletes know. Um, you look at you know, James Harden and others, they play Call of Duty all the time. They wanna get the phone numbers of the players in our league, because they know these are the best players in the world, so they can come over and play their friends and get better. So yes, they know that it takes 10,000 hours to get great at anything, and these players do it. And I think the athletes recognize other athletes. So, yes, I do think they're, you know, to me we use the term player, but, yes, they're athletic. Not in the physical stature sense of the word, but does Steph Curry look like LeBron James? Is he any less of an athlete because he doesn't look like LeBron? But his hand-eye coordination, his spatial awareness, his balance, all those things are things that our players in our league have in spades. So I think, yes, they are.
0: Very good case. That's Daniel Cherry of Activision Blizzard E-Sports Leagues. Thanks, Thanks. Daniel. Appreciate it.